We just heard it, and now we hear it again, the story of the transfiguration from the gospel according to Mark. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. He was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. When Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one, only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Who is this guy? I'm not talking about Jesus just yet. I'm talking about a guy named Jeremy Lin. (laughs) Have you heard about him? He's currently on the cover of Sports Illustrated. and He's been mentioned every day at the top of the sports news for about the last 12 days. He's a basketball player for the New York Knicks in the NBA. I'm certainly not one to keep up with basketball games in the NBA, at least not maybe until the very last game of the year. And then, even then, it's only a passing interest of mine. But the story of Jeremy Lin just might touch us all. Jeremy Lin is an American of Taiwanese descent. When he was in high school in Palo Alto, California, he received zero, zero offers to play college basketball. He was good enough, and so were his grades, to get the attention of the basketball coach at Harvard. So he went to Harvard, which doesn't give athletic scholarships, and he became a star player in the Ivy League. But it was Harvard. And Harvard hasn't sent a person to the NBA since 1954. (laughs) And Lynn actually graduated from Harvard in 2010 with a degree in economics, which makes him very different from most other college basketball players around the country. (laughs) And then Jeremy Lynn wanted to keep playing college, keep playing basketball, but he got no attention from any of the pro teams. Nobody drafted him. He did play in a couple of summer leagues after he graduated in 2010, and he did get some attention from two NBA teams where he served for very short periods of time on their teams for last year. But then he was cast aside like so many players Ambitious, but just not quite good enough, it seems, to play in the NBA. That was the case until February of this year. 
just a few weeks ago. The New York Knicks had some injuries and some other problems, and they needed a guard, and they signed Jeremy Lin just to fill out their roster to a short-term contract. This happens in the NBA. Guys like Lin float around hoping for a break. But in early February, Lin got into a game, and he scored 25 points. And then he had five rebounds, and he had seven assists. And then the next game, he scored 28 points and had 8 assists. And then the next game, 23 points. And the next game, 38 points. And all victories for the once floundering Knicks. So a whole lexicon of puns has emerged because of Jeremy Lin's American, Jeremy Lin's Asian American name and his meteoric rise in success in the NBA. Words like Lin-conceivable, <laughs> Lin-credible. In fact, Time Magazine published an article, it's official, Lin-sanity is for real. What a story of unexpected success. Now, I would bet that most of you aren't also keeping up with the games in the NBA, but sometimes things happen that get our attention. Sometimes things happen that help us see differently and realize who people might be. Sometimes things emerge and we view people in a new light and we see what's possible and it gets us thinking in new ways. That's the story of Jeremy Lin. It's also the story of the transfiguration which we heard sung and which we heard read a moment ago. Who is this guy? Now I'm talking about Jesus. Questions have been growing about Jesus since he walked on the scene at the beginning of Mark's gospel and announced the kingdom. Who is this Jesus? What does Jesus have to do with me? What does he have to do with our world? Our life together in Richmond and forever. The story of the transfiguration wants to help us with that. This story of the transfiguration stands squarely in the center of the gospel according to Mark. It is exactly halfway between Jesus' baptism and Jesus' resurrection. We have had a glimpse of Jesus announcing the kingdom of God already. We've seen him calling disciples to himself to follow We've seen him helping people. We've seen him healing people, forgiving sins, teaching in word and deed. And people are beginning to speculate. This must be John the Baptist, Redivivus. This must be Elijah or another one of the prophets who's come to establish God's purposes. And then there are these references to his suffering and his rising from the dead. And there are those references that we know uh, are going to unfold for Jesus. His persecution is coming, his cross is coming, his death is coming, and also his resurrection. Who is this guy? Who is he? Well, the transfiguration wants to help us with this. He's certainly not just a peasant preacher or simply a doer of good deeds. The disciples who follow him are indeed engaged by his teaching. 
and his actions, all of us would be, they are determined to make Jesus their hero, especially in their horizontal worlds where Jesus does very good things, where Jesus points to a power other than the oppressive Roman power, where Jesus uh, engages the Pharisees and exposes all those religious trappings. All of this is very good, and all of this is very enticing. We want to make Jesus our hero in our horizontal worlds. But Jesus takes Peter and James and John up to a high mountain apart, and it says he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, and there appeared to them Elijah with Moses talking with Jesus, and then there's this voice which speaks directly to the disciples. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. All of this, all of this, right at the epicenter of the gospel, wants to break through our horizontal thinking and remind us, teach us, show us, that this is not just a good teacher with some good ideas for living. Jesus is indeed the inbreaking of God in the world. Jesus is indeed inaugurating God's reign for all time. And it's not just about social structures, nor is it about religious rules and trappings. It is about all that God, God, the creator, the sustainer, the redeemer of the whole world, All that God is doing and promises to do in the midst of life, in the midst of our worlds, in the midst of this city, and forever. All that God promises to do. This word, transfiguration, comes from the Latin word meaning to change in shape or change in appearance. The Greek word used here in verse 2 is metamorphu, from which we get the word metamorphosis. A change happens. A transformation occurs. Peter and James and John witness something very significant about Jesus, which was recorded in all three of the synoptic gospels. Into their horizontal thinking, they get a vision of Jesus changed into heavenly glory, depicted in that music this morning. Changed into heavenly glory. They get a message that Jesus is no ordinary person. Not just a teacher or a healer or a spirit person. Jesus is indeed all those. But they get a glimpse here in the transfiguration that his humanity is somehow transformed. It's a moment full of mystery. It's another one of these rare moments in Scripture when the horizontal world that we know so well gets intersected by the vertical connections to God, the creator, redeemer, and sustainer of the universe, to God's realm, to God's reign. Jesus is not just about good things. He's about the coming of God everywhere. Jesus is not just a teacher or a healer making life a little bit better for you and me. He's opening the way to the fullness of God, to light and real light, to hope, and real hope, to life, eternal life, for you and me and for all people everywhere. 
And if this transfiguration of Jesus is not enough, this metamorpho is not enough for us or for the disciples, the voice elaborates the point. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. One of my favorite writers is a man named Howard Thurman. Howard Thurman is an African-American, was an African-American preacher and teacher and writer and poet and theologian who lived in the previous century. Listen to these words from Howard Thurman. Each individual lives his or her life in the midst of a wide variety of stresses and strains. There are many tasks in which we are engaged that are not really meaningful to us, even though they are important in secondary ways. There are many responsibilities that are ours by virtue of our training or family or position. Again and again, decisions must be made as to large and small matters. No one is ever free from the peculiar pressures of his or her life. Each one of us has to deal with the evil aspects of life, with injustices inflicted upon us. We are, all of us, deeply involved in the throes of our own weaknesses and strengths. The only hope for life, says Thurman, the only possibility of stability for the person is to establish an island of peace within our souls. Well within this island is the temple where God dwells. Not the God of the creed or the church or the family, but the God of one's heart. Within this island of peace, we live our lives in the presence of God. When the voice says, This is my son, the beloved, Listen to him. It is a strong assertion that we find that island of peace where God is real and where God is at work bringing about the fullness of God for us and for our community and for the world. Life can get awfully crazy and complicated. We find ourselves, all of us, dealing with lots of things. But the God of the universe lives and moves among us, we are to live in the presence of God. See, ours is not just a horizontal experience. The God of the universe has come among us in Jesus to initiate and to inaugurate the kingdom of God in our midst. The transfiguration depicts this so vividly. Something transforming is happening, and it will keep happening. Lives are also lived vertically, you see. Open and connected to God, to this island of peace. We seek to see and listen to God, and then we have life, and we have peace, and we have purpose. How many times in recent days or weeks have you heard the phrase uh, spiritual but not religious? It's become so popular, it seems. To say we are spiritual but not religious can get pretty close to having God mean whatever we want God to mean. 
whatever is practically helpful to us in our pursuit of whatever it is we want more than God. Now the goal is not just to be more religious. That's not the goal, ever. But the goal of faith and the goal of life with God is a long way from having God mean whatever we want God to mean. The voice at the transfiguration says, This is my son, my beloved. Listen to him. This is another of God's powerful efforts to break through our barriers. God's powerful effort to get our attention, to help us hear and see and move to deeper and deeper faithfulness, life with God and life serving God every day. Listen to him, the voice says. Who are you listening to? What are you listening to? This has always been an important question, hasn't it? What and who we listen to shapes us, molds us, shapes our days. It seems more and more that people are walking around with these little earbuds in their ears attached to a little cord that goes into their iPod or some other listening device. What are people listening to? Maybe it's some really good music, and I'm a fan of good music. Maybe it's the liberal media which we hear about, or the conservative media that we hear about. Maybe it's some propaganda that props up what we've always thought all along. Maybe it's some fresh idea that we need to hear for more full living. For sure, what and who we listen to shapes us, how we think what we feel, what we know, and more. That voice on the mountain, directed to the disciples and directed to us, says, This is my Son, the Beloved. Listen to Him. Listen to Him. To listen to Him, especially as opposed to all the other voices, loud and crazy, liberal or conservative, political or religious, is to find life in a foundation and with a certain focus that connects us to God. Listen to Him, and we know who we are. We are children of God. Listen to Him, and we hear afresh, indeed, we belong to God. And what we do matters. We have been loved from the beginning of time. And our lives are to be about God. Listen to Him. And we learn that nothing, nothing in life or death, not hardship or pain, not tumor, not temptation, nothing can separate us from God's love. Listen to Him. And we know what our lives are about. They're about helping and going. Listen to Him. They become less about self and more about service. Listen to Him and we strive to be people of peace and possibility. Listen to Him and we become the people God calls us to be. People working for justice and joy, communion and community. 
bridges and hope across our city and across the world. The voice says, this is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. The Apostle Paul says, do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed. You know what the Greek word for transformed is in Romans chapter 12? It's metamorpho. It's about being changed. Jesus is not the only one changed at the transfiguration. We're meant to be changed, transformed because of God's reality and God's presence in our lives and God's promises for wherever we find ourselves today. We're meant to be changed in how we think and in what we do. We are to be transformed as we listen and as we love and serve in the world. May this story of the transfiguration allow us to see Jesus in new ways, allow us to hear again. We live in God's presence. God is in our midst. And may we all find transformation, our lives, our world, transformation toward the kingdom of God. Alleluia. Amen. Let us pray. Shower us with your presence and your love, O God. We seek to be transformed in the ways of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.